You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Okay, I'll hit it. Hey, it's another Saturday morning, and guess what? It's Dave's Corner Garage. We have a really interesting lineup for you, going all over the world. Raymond Chan is going to join us from the CAA, and we're going to talk about Ontario drivers being at risk with the tow truck industry. Really an interesting conversation, and you're going to want to hear that. Then we're going to be joined by Stafford Wong, and Stafford is uh, with Mr. Transmission. We're going to talk about the new type of tranny, the, uh, what do you call those things, Alan? The CV? The, the way too expensive, they way break down too often transmission. That's actually called the CVT. Right, constant velocity. Constant velocity. And it's really modeled off a snowmobile. Well, off the transmission they're using on a snowmobile, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then we've got a bunch of emails that you and I are going to talk about. You're going to and, try to stump me? Yeah, you got I, good gonna, ones? I got some good ones. I actually got one where it says, Dave Redinger is an idiot, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> you don't have my opinion? It's signed Alan Gelman, but no, no, no. <laughs> then we have Trevor Hutchins is going to join us from Crown. And of course, we missed him last week. Norris McDonald is going to come on the air. We're going to talk about racing and some important news that he was at a um, a convention this morning. They were going to talk about building uh, – I can't tell you. It's a secret. Oh, I thought it was a racy topic. You were going to talk about all the people who came down with COVID and were at the at the, at the brass rail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't oh, talking about, about that. It's about hot cars, not yeah, hot There you women. go. There you go. All righty. So we Al, come back. Al, Al, you were going to mention something to, to special day? It is. This, it's, uh, it's, it's Dave's birthday. He just said that uh, yeah, he's looking go. forward to having chocolate cake for dessert. His wife <laughs> spoils them rotten, eh? I decided that I don't have to live my actual age. I picked an age which was 55. That I said it was 54, but the cleaning lady said she was 54, so I gave up on that. So I'm 55 this year. Oh, cool. In 10 years, I'll get a pension. Blow with the candles. There you go. All right, run. Take us out of here, Al. <laughs> oh, <kitty. laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the kitchen to prepare this, this birthday cake for Dave. But in the meantime, we got to get out of here. We're going to have uh, Raymond Chan right after the break. This is Dave's Corner Garage, the happy birthday edition. We'll be right back. All righty. Welcome back. Uh, we have with us Raymond Chan, and he's with the CAA. I love the CAA. I'm one of their best customers. I actually have five cars on their insurance policy. Every one of my cars is now with the CAA. So uh, what's it called? My Pace. CAA My Pace. Pace. That's right. My Pace. I, yeah, <laughs> I have five cars on My Pace, and I still save money. Anyways, we're going to be talking about Ontario drivers are at risk with the towing industry. And you have an um, a article on the Internet, and it says, 76% of the people that are out there have been charged unreasonably high fees. 77% have been waited a longer than usual time for a tow truck to arrive. 80% of the people are not happy. Could you comment on that? Yeah, so the stats that you just uh, pointed out there, Dave, are actually from a survey that CA did earlier this year, back in April. 
Um, it was a follow-up to a study that we did back in 2017 when this whole conversation about reforming the towing industry in Ontario really began. Mm-hmm. And what we really wanted to understand was the attitudes and perceptions of uh, motorists out there on our roads. So people like you and, and Alan and everybody else who is driving the roads each and every day who may be in need of uh, towing services if their vehicles break down. And what we really found was, wasn't really all that surprising. Um, we saw that uh, people were mostly concerned about being gouged if they were uh, requiring the service of a tow truck. And their other concern was uh, having to wait too long of a time at the side of the road and being stuck there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine being stuck at three o'clock in the morning at the minus 40 degrees below, uh, having to wait for a tow truck to arrive. I want that certainty as as a motorist who's stranded out on our roadways that uh, I'm going to know exactly when that tow truck's going to arrive. Uh, that tow truck operator um, hopefully would have gone through that uh, proper training and uh, regulation in order to get his particular towing license. And I wanted industry to reform. I wanted to be professionalized, making sure that uh, towing is is seen as a viable industry for those that actually want to get into it. Well, Raymond, you said you weren't surprised by the results. That must have been there was a whole lot of complaints. Is that right? Yeah, well, we do hear from a number of people every now and then. Um, usually it's in the larger urban centers. we got to remember that Ontario has 444 municipalities, and only 18 have municipal bylaws relating to towing. So wow. that's a very, very small percentage. So uh, the problem areas we, we do recognize and we do see are in the larger urban centers, but we're seeing these um, these towing challenges migrate up and down places like the 401. So they're slowly creeping into these smaller communities. And I think the provincial government has now recognized that uh, now's the time for implementing oversight and now's the time for reforming the industry to make it better for both the industry, the tow truck operators, and also the consumers out there that may require their services. A lot of these guys are chasers where they're actually looking for accidents to to haul back to their uh, respective body shops. They are, and I think that's that that's the challenge with the industry that we really want to target and that the government really wants to target right now. It's it's not the well-established mom-and-pop shops or the larger players that are legitimate, that, that pay their licensing fees, that uh, make sure that their drivers are properly trained and, and, and that they know what they're doing when, when they're operating a tow truck. It's really these fly-by-nighters, these chasers, as you say, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, really skirt the rules that are in place right now um, under the Consumer Protection Act and under the Storage and Liens Act provincially, there are a few statutes that help protect motorists and consumers, but we as an organization, CA, doesn't, don't feel that it goes far enough. So um, we need a little bit more oversight to control some of the craziness that's, uh, that's happening on our roads and, and really to establish some sort of penalties for those that don't follow the rules. Would you say you're the biggest buyer of towing? Well, we're certainly one of the biggest. I think uh, when you talk about towing services and roadside assistance, uh, CA, the Canadian Automobile Association, typically comes to mind. Uh, we are um, we, we are voted the most trusted brand here in Canada as of last year. So uh, I, I think that certainly says a lot about the uh, level of service that we have to offer to our motoring public and uh, being engaged in these conversations and, and helping to shape uh, policy and to reform the towing industry is definitely within our blood for sure. So, you know, when someone has an accident on the side of the road, of course, their their mental state is not very good. They're in shock to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so they're, they're usually hit upon or, or, you know, the tow trucks arrive right away. Now, even if someone's a CAA member, they may not be thinking about their CAA membership. And they may just go ahead and let the first guy who says, oh, we'll tow your car and we'll give you free, uh, a free loaner car. They may just relinquish to him right away. 
but what in fact should they do? Yeah, so here in Ontario, actually under the Consumer Protection Act, the motorist has the right to um, indicate which towing provider or towing operator that they want to go with. So you have the choice to pick what tow truck hooks up your vehicle unless you're directed otherwise by police. Um, so simply don't be fooled by those that are um, trying to come to your rescue at the side of the road. If you feel uncomfortable, make sure you ask the proper questions. You know, were you sent here by police? Um, I, I'm, I'm currently on hold or I'm, or I'm speaking with my own provider at the moment and I prefer to go with them. Don't let these people try and indicate to you that they were sent there by police and that they are to take your vehicle somewhere because more often than not, we hear these horror stories about um, it's simple flat tires at the side of the road where people in the end, after the storage fees, they end up paying thousands of dollars or their mm-hmm. insurance has to cover thousands of dollars before their vehicle's even released. So I would say that education is the absolute most important thing in this situation. Um, in 2018, CA came out with uh, its own towing bill of rights, which are um, eight sets of points that are built into um, what's under the under the Consumer Protection Act right now. Um, so things like uh, signing a uh, permission to tow form before your vehicle is even hooked up. Uh, the towing operator providing you with an estimate, and that estimate can't be above 10% of what they originally you quoted for. So at the end of the day, you're going to know exactly what you're going to be paying for. If they told you $200, you know you're not going to be paying more than $220 at the end of the day. So things like that are absolutely important um, messages that we want to get across to the motoring public. And uh, we want to make sure that it's that it remains on the government radar. And the more people that uh, we get thinking about towing and talking about it, the better off that uh, that our motorists out there are going to be. Tell us about moresafetows.ca. Yeah, so we set up a website after after the Ontario government announced that they were going to uh, have uh, provincial oversight of the industry back in back in late June. Um, we set up a website moresafetows.ca where the public can go and and voice their support for this. We know that there's support out there for regulation. We know that people want consistent consumer protection measures. We want them to have uh, a proper level of oversight so that they can go to with complaints. And uh, this is a forum for them to really let the government know and specifically let their local member of provincial parliament know that towing reforms are important to them and that they want to know um, that, that, that all motorists are going to remain safe on Ontario roads no matter where you are. So get in touch with our provincial uh, representative it was one, right? Uh, greater consumer protection was a second one, right? So the reality is, just keep your nerve. If you have an accident, don't go, don't don't go off the deep end. Absolutely, take a deep breath. Uh, can consider what your options are. Call a family member. Call a friend. There's lots of people that have been in that situation as well. Call your insurance company as well, because those are the ones that are going to be able to provide you with the best piece of advice and who ultimately are probably going to be paying out that tow bill. So you want to make sure that the provider that you're selecting to tow your vehicle is going to be covered by your insurance company. Good All right, Raymond Chan, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. Always always a pleasure talking hey, to you. Hey, and Raymond, right. remember my pace. That's the one I'm pushing. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you very much, Raymond. Raymond Chance with CAA, and uh, if you go on their website, uh, you'll find information on towing, and that's definitely something you should be doing for your own protection. We'll be right back. This is Dave's Corner Garage, and when we come back, Alan and I are going to talk about some emails. We got tons of emails. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Dave's Corner Garage, and now is the time when I can ask Alan to try and stump him with some of these email questions that I've gotten. They're about cars, eh? It's not personal, right? 
could be personal. What you we have to be on after midnight if you're going to ask those kind of questions. <laughs> you won't even let me park my car in your driveway. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. In a motel room, you cheapskate. Here he goes. I need some advice. Yes. I have a 96. Remember, this is a 1996 Chevy Lumina mm -hmm. that needs a transmission. Yeah. The shop says it's going to cost $2,000 to fix it. The car is in good condition with 120Ks. What do you think? Should I fix this car? Um, well, I think you should get uh, do some type of vehicle audit um, because the car really has no value, essentially, you no. Know, on the market. I mean, if you were to rack it up, you'd be lucky if they would cover the towing on it. Um, again, I would check the vehicle out. Make sure it's, it's sound. I mean, at that age already, you could be talking about rust and corrosion to the point where the frame is rusty, um, in which case it's not worth doing at all. So Don't I, they I have, have that audit done. They have gas tank problems. Uh, thankfully, most of the newer cars have gone to plastic, so they've been pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, again, I would have the full audit done and make sure that uh, that price sounds a little bit cheap, I would say. Um, I would get that if, if that's a legitimate price, I would get it on in writing just to make sure there's no surprise when they go to pick it up. You know, we're going to have Stafford on later. Uh, we should ask him the same question. Yeah, but he's a young guy. A 96 Lumina, he wasn't even born yet. Probably not. <laughs> but All right, next question. Next question was, recently I wrote an article about not selling safety-related parts to the public. In other words, selling them ball joints or brake parts and stuff like that. Because I'm not against DYI, but there are certain parts and certain uh, things the mechanics know that the average guy doesn't know. And mm -hmm. what brought this out was a guy came into the shop one day and he had the brake pads in backwards. Right. In other words, he had the friction material on the outside, not on the inside. <laughs> okay. And he was complaining about noise while he was braking. So the reality was I, it caused a whole hornet's nest. People were saying, I'm an idiot. I would go to the States to buy parts, blah, 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 blah. So I'm your opinion about selling safety-related parts to the average guy across the street. I, I don't think they should. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing to sell an air freshener or some carpet mats or something to somebody. Yeah. But, but to have him attempt to do a job that if he messes up, not only jeopardizes himself, his family, it's the other people on the road as well. I, I don't think that should be allowed. You know, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. I mean, you, you don't let people go buy surgical supplies at Starkman's and, and do their own surgery at home, right? Or fix your own furnace. You can't buy gas equipment. Exactly. That's something I really have to take my hat off to the gas company, not to the gas, whatever they're called. Um, yeah, they will not sell any parts at all for, for a, a furnace or anything, even though you think you know, unless you hold a proper gas license, right. you can't buy parts. When I think the car business should be the same. And you know what? I talked this up with our jobber and our suppliers, and he mm -hmm. said, you know what? We're going to sell the parts anyways. Either the the public buys it or the or the or the garage buys it. So for us, it makes no difference at all. So they well, have nothing you know, against I, it. I had that years ago where I was at Home Depot and I thought I could do some electrical work. And I was asking the fellow there for some advice, and he said, "Listen, I can sell you this stuff here, but I can't give you any advice because something happens, you kill yourself. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's on my head, and I don't want to be responsible for that. Yeah. So there you go." So that's my opinion too. So that so that I got back an article that said Dave Redinger is an idiot. If I can't get the parts here, I'll go to the states. <laughs> I love it. The Americans are they got a different way of thinking than we do. I'll be honest with you. Well, try okay. to fix your car by trial and error. I don't think is the way. Or to go. by tree. 
You know, you hang the motor from the tree. <laughs> I thought you meant he hit the tree when the brakes failed. Well, you know, the difference of a redneck is the one who has his car, his house is on, on wheels and his car is on blocks. <laughs> All right. The last question one. I have for you is, mm-hmm. hello, Dave. I don't know. I wrote, I read your article a couple of weeks ago regarding cleaning the headlights. The headlights on my car are all dark. Mm-hmm. How can I clean them up? Well, you can either take it in and have them done professionally. A lot of body shops are doing it. A lot of cleanup shops are actually offering it. Um, maybe about a hundred bucks is all it is. Mm-hmm. However, if you are handy, now this is something you can buy at your local tire shop. And we're not scared if you go ahead and do that. Um, it's, it's called a headlight restoration kit. Mm. It basically, it, it comes with some sanding pads in it. It comes with a buffing wheel. It comes with some concentrate, some wax afterwards. Uh, the only thing that you normally will need to own if you don't already is an electric drill because you're putting this buffing wheel on your drill and then you're going to buff the headlights because what, what has happened is due to road salt and sand and, and the sun's oxidation, um, the lens is all glazed over. It's crazy. Yeah. Like if you, if you just touch it, you'll feel how rough it is. And that's why it's yellow. So what you're doing with the sanding is you're actually removing the top layer of that all cruddy plastic. So you get back down to a smooth layer and then, uh, and then the whole, and then you can put a sealer on it and hopefully it'll last you a few years. And it's way, way cheaper than buying a whole headlight assembly. You know, while we're talking about that, a lot of guys are putting in heavier bulbs into their systems, mm-hmm. which, which is good and bad. Well, exactly, because in a lot of cases, the wiring that's in the car that's meant to carry, for example, let's say a 500-watt bulb, it can't all of a sudden carry the current that's necessary for a 1,500-watt bulb. And you could either, if you're lucky, you blow a fuse, but if not, you can actually burn the wiring, and then you've got a big problem. Yeah, interesting. So headlights, uh, no touchy the headlights other than cleaning. Exactly. It's easy to do. Um, again, if you've got an electric drill and you feel like, uh, oh, the other thing, too, is make sure that uh, they may not say this is that um, I guess you could go to Google, too, and, and, and or YouTube and check it out because there's lots of videos on how yeah. but you may want to pick up some painter's tape to mask off the areas that you don't want to be sanding. So, in other words, the headlight may be right close to the hood or the fender. You don't want to ruin the paint on the car. So you want to mask that off as well. Birthday boy, birthday boy, question for you. Yes. Didn't you have a remedy where you put toothpaste? Yep. And that did a job? Are you serious? Yeah, toothpaste does work. It doesn't do as nice a job as the kids do, but it does work. And your car has a minty smell after, too. And That's no what I was hoping for. Yeah, no cavities, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I think we've got to wrap it up, David. Yep. All righty. So uh, remember, if you want to send us an email, it's davescornergarage.com. Just send us an email. We'll be glad to answer it immediately. And if we don't, we'll answer it on air. But uh, bottom line is, if you don't write, you don't get. And after the break, we're going to be talking to Stafford Wong from Mr. Transmission to find out what's going on in the world of trannies. We'll be right back. Joining us now is Stafford Wong, and Stafford is with Mr. Transmission. And Stafford, we were talking about CVT transmissions earlier in the show, uh, which stands for what? Constant velocity? Constant velocity transmission, yeah. There you go. Now, they have special maintenance items and special care? Yeah. I mean, the, everything from the way the, the system works to the fluids that are used are, are very uh, specific to that unit and can't be mixed with any other transmissions out there. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very um, high-quality product oil. It, you know, it retails for over $30 in most cases per liter. Wow. So you, you want to make sure you use the right product in that transmission, so which is something is the that kind happens. Of, this is the kind of transmission where the engine speeds up and the car catches up to the engine? 
Well, not really uh, in that term. What it is is the CVT. It works off a system where it's a belt and a pulley that actually moves, stretches and comes uh, and contracts that allows the transmission to move with the engine as opposed to the old days where uh, different clutch packs engage to get you to shift from first to second to third. So this system is almost a seamless shift where you don't really feel it. And the whole philosophy behind it, the manufacturers went to this system to improve fuel consumption in most of their cars. So they're a lot more fuel efficient because of this transmission. So Stafford Wong, uh, at the beginning, you know, when these things came out, because they've been out for many, many years now, um, they weren't terribly reliable. Have they improved on it now? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, we first started, I believe the first ones we saw were released in the early 04, 05 Nissan Murano's. And at that time, it was, you know, earth shattering to see the technology. But yes, a lot of the vehicles now have them. They are more reliable. They are more um, consistently um, easier to repair because of the availability of components now. But having said that, there still are a few of them on the market that are a little problematic. Um, but yes, to answer your question, most of them are better, but they still do offer some, some challenges out there in some, some product lines. Now, originally they were in, in smaller horsepower cars. That's I mean, right. Yeah. You used to see them in Honda Civics and, and little Toyotas and things like that, but they're using them in, in larger vehicles now. So yeah. you mean to say that they, they will hold up, but at the same time, they do have to be serviced, correct? Yes, definitely. Um, they they are better, truthfully, now than they were in the early days. And yes, you are seeing them in a lot of high-powered vehicles now. The technology is really improved, but maintenance a is a key. Right, and a lot of uh, there's certain manufacturers that 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 say they don't need servicing, and I don't know why they say that. But how often would you suggest that people come in? I would say most of the CVTs in their owner's manual would indicate somewhere between 75000 to to 100000 for the transmission fluid to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really prudent that you use the original manufacturer's fluids as opposed to the aftermarket uh, um, a, um, CVT fluids. Um, right. There's a reason why they do cost that because a lot of the ingredients in that fluid are really, really necessary to make sure that the pulleys are lubricated properly internal to that unit. And sometimes the aftermarket fluids just don't stand up well when they start building up the heat. Well, that's why they say uh, cheap can be very expensive sometimes. Exactly right, 100%. Stafford, they have now transmissions 8 and 10 speeds. Yes. Uh, Very much controlled by the computer. Do you get into that, computer controls? Oh, definitely. A lot of times we, uh, we, we do a lot of reflashing and reprogramming here of the computers for these vehicles. A lot of times we get vehicles in that are exhibiting, you know, shuttering or, or shiftability issues that, you know, will feel like it's a major failure of the transmission that's occurring where a reflash of the systems or reprogramming of the computer for the transmission will, in most cases, in many cases, fix the drivability concerns that people feel. So when a guy comes in, it may not be a transmission at all. It, well, it could be the transmission, but not a major problem. It, it, it's an electronic issue pertaining specifically to a reflashing problem. Is now, Stafford, normally when, when someone comes in with an issue, you know, with a, a drivability thing, you guys take the car out, you scan it. What, what's the initial charge for that? Yeah. Yeah. What we call is a multi-check procedure. And that initial diagnosis, we don't charge our customers for that. It oh, well, did you say free? <laughs> Believe it or not, in today's society, it is free. All right, um, cool. Yeah, we uh, we check the level and condition of the transmission fluid. We take it for a drive to feel the problem and try to experience the issues the customers are concerned with. And, you know, we'll bring it back and we'll check all the external linkages and, and see if it's a minor repair or if it's a sensor or something easy to fix. I, I tell you, a lot of times we get, I, I think our stats from last year showed 
about 50% of our vehicles that we get in do not need a major repair based on the diagnosis that we do prior. And yeah, it is free. Cool. Yeah. So the question I have is you have two shops now. Yeah, I have two now. I have one in Barrie on Essa Road and one in Brampton on Kennedy Road near Queen. Either end of the 400. Yeah, we're there, both <laughs> top and bottom for you. <laughs> I love it. So, But you know what? You really have to stay on top of the technology because you're fixing everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and these CVT transmissions are not for, uh, you know, the, the I don't want to say, you know, somebody who doesn't do transmissions every day, yeah. but they're so specific. You need a lot of specific equipment, a lot of specific tools, and you do need the training and the experience to be able to handle them properly. Because I've seen countless people who are in our industry that fix them and they still don't work right. So our experience and our uh, studies really help us out. Interesting. I'm sure a lot of your customers are out of shops. Definitely. We are, we call them ASPs, automotive service providers. We do a lot of repairs for other um, garages that are yeah. more general repair shops that will get cars in and then send them over to us to do the transmission work for them just because it's not as easy as, you know, if you go back like a 2008 Chevy Uplander, you can buy a used transmission, take the old one out, put it in and away you go and it'll be fine. You'll get a perfectly good CVT transmission that's used and put it in and it will not work right because you have to know that, you know, sometimes there's a chip in the valve body that you have to take out and switch over ah. from the original vehicle. The computer has to be switched over. And then having said that, you switch it over and then you have to have a special computer, you know, with a laptop to recalibrate it and make sure it works. So, so it's there a was a question. We, have a, we had a question. I had a seven, sorry, 96 Lumina needed a tranny. His question uh -huh. was, is the car right off or can you fix it? <laughs> Definitely. 96 Lumina would have come with a four-speed uh, automatic front-wheel yeah. drive, 4065E tranny. And, um, yeah, we rebuild those still to this day, for sure. What would it cost approximately to do something like that? On a 96 Lumina? Probably around $1,500. So the car is close to being a write-off. Actually, the car is worth nothing. But so he's put 1500 bucks in and he's driving. Yeah, and I mean, that transmission will now probably outlast that that Lumina if we rebuild it for <laughs> I love it. So. so give us, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, both locations, one in Barrie, one in uh, Brampton. Uh, we're available um, uh, on the internet, of course. Just search Mr. Transmission Brampton or Mr. Transmission Barrie. Our website is mrtransmission.com. And in Brampton, we're at Kennedy and Queen. And in Barrie, we're on Essa Road, just east of the uh, 400 exit. Thank you, Stafford. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Stafford Wong, Mr. Transmission. We know him for quite a while. And even I take my cars to him. He's got our race car in there right now. Thank After you. the break, we're going to be talking to Trevor Hutchison from Crown and find out what's going on in the world of rust, or I should say rust protection. We'll be right back. We've got Trevor Hutchinson. Well, you know, uh, theoretically, he's in the studio, but we know he's at his place of work, I guess. Trevor Hutchison, how are you today? Doing really good, gentlemen. Really good today. Well, that's great. As a result of COVID-19, you guys were actually closed for a while, and uh, you've had to make some changes. Um, I don't know. Are all your locations open right now? Yeah, all, all of our crown centers have now reopened both in Canada and the U.S., but you're absolutely right. We have had to make some pretty significant adjustments, I think, to the way that we, we operate, starting with making sure that we can provide a, a safe work environment for our employees, as well as a safe environment for our customers to come in. So one of the things, um, although our crown centers were shut down, our manufacturing facility actually never shut down. 
we were continuing to supply and produce uh, products and materials for all sorts of companies that are considered essential services, as well as we developed a uh, surface cleaner, which is really, for all intents and purposes, a disinfectant product uh, that is now part of our new procedure inside of our crown center. So if you come in, you're going to see the uh, plastic barricades that are up and the, the, the separation systems, but also now you'll have a disinfectant that's applied to all of the hard surfaces of your vehicle that our employees may touch uh, to make sure that uh, customers' vehicles are well protected. Now, normally, did people just roll in when they needed an application or did they make an appointment? Yeah. And is that the way we're doing it these days? So that's a really good question, Alan. For our customers, generally, they work on an appointment basis. We do get some walk-ins, maybe 10 to 15 percent. Mm-hmm. But right now, with with COVID and what's going on, uh, it's virtually essential that we are down to appointments only because of the preparation that has to go on, and also trying to limit the amount of of customers that are within our center. Uh, so sometimes, you know, we would get families that come in. Uh, we run into two issues: one, some of our centers in our waiting room don't have the space. The other part of it is, is we're trying to space customers out so they also feel comfortable coming into uh, our centers. Well, I imagine the whole families would show up when you're given to do those Disney giveaways, eh? <laughs> That's right. When we're doing that or having donut or pizza day, yes, uh, we, we tend to get a few more people in the shop. All right, but quickly, I want to thank you because you have offered to give a, a free application to uh, anybody who goes to the Dave's Corner Garage page, says like on the page. Um, and uh, did I say Facebook? Anyways, Facebook, Dave's Corner Garage, go there, say like, and you can win a chance to get a free application, which is a great product. You know, uh, I had a vehicle in the other day I was doing a safety on, Trevor, and it wasn't terribly old, I didn't think. And certainly from the outside, it looked good. In fact, I've got my notes here. It was a 2013 Equinox. But when I opened up the driver's door, I couldn't help but notice a whole lot of rust at the bottom edge of the door. And in fact, I checked the other doors and I saw it was there too. And of course, being the car that was was white in color, the rust really showed. Now, later on when we were doing our inspection, I happened to open up the hood and sure enough, I saw one of them little black boxes, you know, it's the size of an old cigarette pack with a red light on it flashing off and on that I knew was one of these, let me call it bogus, you know, rust protection device. Um, I was so shocked because I went... <laughs> I don't know. Is it just this one that's not working or do none of these work? How much experience have you had with these, Trevor? So sadly, we've had a lot of experience uh, with customers coming in that have purchased, uh, you know, an electronic box from a new car or a used car dealership. Mm-hmm. And they've spent, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars in some cases. And I guess the light on it works because, uh, as you mentioned, <laughs> you saw the flashing red light. Yes, but the, the the challenge with this is is and why you see the rust in the area that you saw it is it's along where there'd be spot welds and that and and this mm-hmm. is something that we have seen uh, hundreds of times and and you know I we often reference people to go to uh, mechanical professionals to some of the consumer groups because these items although they've been around for a long time have also had a very checkered history. Uh, as to whether they're actually legitimate or not, 
whether they actually do what they claim to do, and, and whether the companies that are distributing them with the claims they're making, whether they're actually fraudulent or not. Oh, really? You mean they, they promise the world and then hardly deliver is what you're saying? Well, that's exactly it. And, and the challenge is when they're purchased, say, from a, a new car dealer or a used car dealer, the new car dealer or used car dealer isn't the one that carries the warranty on it. It's usually a third-party company. So the problem is if a consumer has an issue with it, they can't go back to the dealership to claim on the warranty. They have to go find this company now that actually provided it. And in many cases, uh, consumers have kind of been left holding the bag. Brian, you test a lot of cars. You must have seen uh, one of these on one of the cars that you've driven, yes? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I generally don't drive older cars. But what I what I do remember, and, and uh, when these I think first came out on the market decades ago. I remember my father taking the time to take me aside and said, look, these things just, it's not going to work. He was, he worked for um, a big car company and, and he's like, this is some kind of scam. I would never put one of these on one of our cars ever. And that always stuck with me because I think he, he, at the, you know, I was a little kid at the time, but I think he understood the science. Right, and they use what we call BS science, I think. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds legit, doesn't it? They're using big words. All right, Trevor Hudson, thanks for joining us today. Have yourself a great weekend, and keep up the good work, eh? Thanks very much, Alan. Oh, quickly, quickly. And it's K-R-O-W-N.ca. You got it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Trevor. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. And today we have Norris McDonald. We missed him last week, and it's a pleasure to have him back. Norris, how are you? I'm just terrific, Dave. How are you? Good. Any day I wake up is a great day. That's my philosophy. That's the way I look at it. You know, <laughs> if you're above, if you're above the grass, it's a good day. Well, what do you want to talk about? We can talk about Oral Station first, if you'd like to. Okay. Well, let me tell you very quickly about this uh, motorsport automotive development uh, project. That had the groundbreaking this morning. In fact, it's called Oro Station. It's located right at the corner of uh, Highway 11 and Line 7 of, uh, or the seventh line, if you want to call it that, of Oro Medanti Township. Mm-hmm. It's right across the road from the Simcoe County Regional Airport. Uh, and it's going to be a combination uh, road racing circuit. It's going to be just a little bit more than four kilometers long and they're going to have houses you and i can go up there and and uh buy a house we can buy a townhouse uh we can take our ferrari or our corvette up there Mm -hmm. and uh and uh store it in a barn and go out and and uh, drive it around the course at certain times of the day or the week um it's kind of like a country club uh environment for people who like exotic uh, cars rather than golfing. And uh, they've got 500 square feet of industrial space to house everything from automobile upholstery wow. to museums. It, maybe it, it reminds me of um, uh, in, in Parama in, 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 uh, in Nevada, where well, they have the Corvette a, racing school. Yep. That, well, as a matter of fact, there's a bunch of these all over the place. There's one just outside of Detroit, very close to the General Motors uh, headquarters called M1, and uh, and it's this sort sort of a simple thing. It's where people who are very successful and have the means uh, to buy some of these exotic cars 
can take them and uh, drive them at, at a good speed and have them, uh, you know, you take your you take your clubs after your round and the caddies all clean them and get them ready for the next day. Mm. Uh, so this time you you just take it into your barn, which is what they call uh, uh, the garages, and you heard heard of barn finds, right? Yeah. So you got barn garages, and uh, and they'll you know fix them up and tune them up and get them ready for the next time you want to go out and bomb around this place. Now you know something. Listen, this sounds terrific. I wish these guys all the luck in the world. There's two fellows, Daniel Gallo and Jeffrey Campbell are their names. They're land developers. Uh, Jeffrey Campbell just finished a big condominium project in Orillia and has another one. Uh, I'm not 100% sure the, the, the status of that, whether it's in the planning stages or actually have started, but it's going to be kind of a, a farmer's market on the waterfront in Orillia. He said to me when I interviewed him, it's going to kind of like be the St. Lawrence market meets Muskoka. Fascinating. And, uh, and so these guys know what they're doing as far as um, developing property. Uh, but, you know, something I really do have to throw this in as when I wrote a column about this, I, I started off by saying this is probably the sixth one of these things that I've written in the last 15 or 20 years. There's a lot of people who want to build speedways and have uh, road courses and and at the end of the day, they get the zoning and they get the uh, land designated as an employment agency and all of that stuff. But it comes down to the fact that they don't have the money. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the investors. And and the thing is that these guys are doing it a little differently in that they will build the track. They're going to get the thing going. And then, frankly, if you want to then uh, store your a Corvette up there for the winter, you're going to have to pay your portion of what eventually will be built. Uh, and they're not going to build a house until you and I go up there, pick the floor plan, and and then they will build it. So, it. Norris, you feel there's enough rich dudes with uh, cars that are going to want to do this, eh? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because I'll tell you, Alan, and I, I, I might have mentioned this on the show before, but this year at the auto show, uh, when I was doing a lot of interviews, and I did a lot of I, I had quite a series of videos where I drove around town with the presidents or vice presidents of all the Canadian car companies. Uh-huh. It's hard to believe, but after Los Angeles, the GTA is the biggest market for upmarket cars in North America. Fascinating. Oh, wow. There is an enormous amount of money here. Speaking and, of Canadian drivers, let's talk about <laughs> IndyCar. Yeah, I was going to say the Indianapolis 500, the biggest and, and and best and most famous race in the world. Yeah, usually held uh, at the end of May, uh, for more than a hundred years because of the pandemic, uh, they had to push it, and they're actually going to hold it on Sunday at the Indianapolis Speedway. One big difference, Dave. There will be no spectators. You, can you imagine? Penske just bought it, needs the money to pay for the track, and can't have anybody there? I know. Yeah, 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 but there will be spectators. They'll be on television, though. That's right, Alan. Thank you very yeah. much for pointing that out. Yeah. I really, really hope that that the television ratings go through the, 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 the stratosphere on this one because uh, it's uh, – it's pretty amazing. Anyway, let me get let me get down to a bit of a nitty gritty 
Very, very popular guy, won the poll last Sunday. Yeah, Marco, Andretti. Marco Andretti. He is the grandson of the world-famous Mario Andretti, that even if you're not a car racing fan, you've got to recognize the name Mario Andretti. And then, of course, we have two Canadians in the race, have qualified to race in the 500 this year, James Hinchcliffe, and he's pretty familiar to, to most Canadians mm-hmm. because of his history at that track. He nearly died there six years ago, five years ago, rather, uh, because of a terrible accident that he had. He's going to start sixth. He's still got the, the chops as far as going fast. And then a rookie that very, very few people have heard from. He comes from Stouffville, Ontario, which is just outside Toronto. And his name is Dalton Kellett. And uh, Dalton is a really interesting young guy. He is a graduate of Queen's University in engineering physics. And he is a very, as a result of his academic approach to just about everything in life, he is a very methodical race car driver. He's not a guy like you and I, Dave. We jump into an Indy car, want to go as fast as we could right off the button. But, you know, he's more like Alan, right? (laughs) He kind of works up. You're very, you're, that's very nice of you to say that. I, I'm very analytical. I'll be looking at the data that's coming through on those computer lines. To well, find there out you go. Yeah. How so I can approach the corner to get the most speed out of my car. Well, you, you know, have to stop your foot from shaking. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing I don't think that Dalton Kellett is going to win the Indianapolis 500, but I am not going to be surprised at all if he does much better than expected because it's the old turtle in the hair thing. Yes. You've got all these fast guys out. Remember, four years ago, the 100th Indianapolis 500 was won by a guy who came out of the blue. He's a very, very good race car driver. His name was Alexander Rossi, but nobody even considered. And that was because he tootled around and he kept himself within striking distance of the leaders, but he wasn't racing them. And then in the last 10 laps, they all ran out of fuel mm-hmm. and go into the pits. And guess who comes right, right, waving at them as he takes the checkered flag, but Alexander Rossi. So I think that Dalton Kellett is the same kind of a guy. I think that this race is going to be very interesting to watch. We'll see the Marco Andretti's and the Ryan Hunter Rays and, you know, the Fernando Alonso's yeah. uh, going for it. And yet, at the end of the race, I bet you Dalton Kellett, with any luck and the fact that he's got an engine that's tuned to last 500 miles, uh, he's, he could la- he could wind up in the top 10. And Norris, we got to run. Okay. Running out of time. All right. Norris, thank you for joining us. And your article is at the Toronto Star? Uh, I was going to say, I'm in Toronto Star Wheels on Saturday, thestar.com slash autos, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, all, all of my. Millions of words, as Larry Holt said a few years ago, uh, can be found there. And also on Twitter. And on Twitter. And on Dave's Corner Garage. Dave's Corner Garage on air. Norris, thank you again. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. That was Norris McDonald. And uh, we're going to run. Exactly. We want to thank Raymond Chan from the CAA, um, talking all about uh, their tow truck thing. Yes. And, and, Check out their site, and if you've got a complaint, which I'm sure you do, they want to hear about it. We want to right. thank Trevor Hutchison from Crown. We want to thank Stafford Wong. If you think your transmission is acting a little bit weird, I hope you remembered what he said. 
that initial check is free, so that's uh, you don't want to miss that. And of course, we want to thank Norris for taking time. Norris knows so much. We should do a whole show just with Norris. Alrighty, time to go. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Remember, Dave'sCornerGarage.com. If you've got any questions or comments, we're always glad to have them. Alan, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, Joel, for doing this all because we know we're all working from our homes. And one of these days, we'll get back to the studio. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Who cares about the clouds and where to get Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Till we meet again. Happy trails. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.